Hi, this is Greenlee and Jubilee coming to you from beautiful Haunted Oregon. Welcome you to another edition of Sinister Sightings with Carrie and Donna. A paranormal chicks. Creep it real and don't get scared. Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 158. And you just heard Greenlee and her dog Jubilee. That little howl at the beginning, so freaking cute. Thank you so much. We love when y'all have your little creepsters with you. You know, furry creepsters, little babies, all the things. They're furry when they come out. (laughs) Don't tell me that. Well, they are. Some of them. Okay. Okay. Anyway, if you want to do an intro just like Greenlee, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. All right. Jumping right in. The W word or skinwalker. IDK. Hey, ladies. I absolutely love your podcast and the community it's created. Y'all keep me company while I'm at work. I walk around watching shoplifters all day, so it can get boring when there's no action going on. Me, I'm from the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. Specifically, Steubenville. Oh, it's where the panhandle of West Virginia sits between Ohio and Pennsylvania. Oh. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'll tell you who will know. Randy. I now live in Northwest Ohio, but I do have some foothill stories for y'all. We don't say the W word. The word rhymes with indigo, but we don't say it, and don't you dare think it. I've already thought it. What the hell is it? Wendigo. Okay, I was like... Winnebago. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> One time when I was about six or seven, I was by my great pap's house with my cousin, Jesse. Jesse is now male, so I'm trying to honor his transition, but in my childhood, he had long red hair and dressed as a girl. My pap lived deep in the woods. He had a small trailer that was put on the property behind his main house that he had his daughter move into. Because of his age, he would have been about 83 in 1998 when this happened. He still wanted to live independently, but couldn't live in the massive two-story house that him and my Graham built back in the 40s. So he lived in a small one-bedroom trailer in the back area of the house. He was situated in the lower slope portion of a few hills that all gathered in a weird valley. I think you'd call them hollers. Anyway... So it was spooky. There were hiking trails around the house. I remember my dad, my great pap, Jesse's dad, and my pap, my dad's dad, were working on a car up at the main house, and I was left to my own devices with Jesse. That's a lot of generations right there. I remember us getting on a trail not far from my pap's trailer. We were within distance of them seeing us, but it was a bit of a ways off. I really feel like it was a football field-sized yard space between the trailer and the heavy woods. There were cricks and nature things all around us, and I remember it not being an issue if we were off playing in them. Because, well, it was the country, and that's what you did in pre-killer podcast time, and not knowing about the spooky spooks. So Jesse had red hair, like bright red hair. I'm not sure why this has anything to do with the story, but it could be. So we're playing, shooting the shit, as six and seven-year-olds do, and I remember what I thought to be my great aunt Marla calling her name. It wasn't anything strange or out of the ordinary. She was always with my aunt Marla. The thing was, Jesse was with her dad that day. 
They were all up in the main house working on a car. My Aunt Marla wasn't there that day. She looked at me and said, That's not my ma'am. We were about ankle deep in water, probably trying to find crawdads or some sort of whatever you looked for in cricks as a child. We had taken our shoes and socks off to wade in the water. And we looked towards my pap's house. I don't know, maybe because we're six or seven years old, we thought it was incredibly far away at the time. She said, we need to get back to pap's. I nodded my head as my six-year-old self would, and we started on our way. I remembered motioning to put our shoes and socks on, and she shook her head no. I remember I had on these yellow shorts with the white stripe down the side, and my shoes matched my pants. My mama was going to be mad if I didn't have any shoes, but we were going to be eaten, so I chose life over shoes. Have y'all ever walked barefoot through the woods? My six-year-old feet did not agree. Anyway, her name got called again, but it was behind us in the woods this time. She stopped, I stopped, and I think this is why I remember how red her hair was, mainly because I was looking directly at her hair. My hair was standing on edge and my heart was racing like Usain Bolt. Do not look behind us, she whispered. And me, I'm the younger one, and I'm going to listen when the older kid tells me what to do. It smelled like dead skunk around us, like beetles that were decayed. Or maybe that's when the cicadas were last hatched, and that's what it smelled like. Hell, I don't know. I was six. I know that's a strange smell, and don't ask me how I specify this smell. We need to get to Paps. I nod my head again, and we held hands. Because, well, if we're going to die, we're going to die together. I remember how incredibly sweaty her hand was. Jessie's name got called again, and then mine. It sounded like my pap calling my name this time. So now we've got my Aunt Marla and my pap. I remember Jessie squeezing my hand and me trying to not fear fart because my little large pizza butterball ass was not going to be outrun whatever it was trying to summon us. So between my pap's house and the woods was what seemed like a football field. I'm sure it was definitely a smaller distance, but I was six and my legs were chunky. We walked with a purpose to my pap's house. He had one of those trucker hats on and noticed us coming from the woods. I remember the feeling like my six-year-old pants were about to have poop in them because of the feeling I had when we were being watched and followed. The voice was fainter this time and Jesse jerked my hand against her. Sort of a silent do not look. I obliged because, well, if they wanted me with poop on them, then they could have me because it was ready to come out. I was so scared. I remember my pap looked behind us in the woods and he started walking towards us. My pap was a sturdy man. He had been a coal miner, got called off to war, dropped down into Normandy, came home to be a coal miner again. He was a badass through and through. At 83, he moved pretty swiftly to us. I remember him turning both of us towards his trailer, but we bypassed the trailer and went to the main house. My pap always had butterscotch candy and bananas anytime we went over to his house. He asked us why we'd gone off to the woods by ourselves. We said we just wanted to play down by the creek. I remember getting handed a banana. You kids need to be staying in the yard unless an adult's with you. You don't know what kinds of things are in these hills. Duly noted in my six-year-old head. I remember my dad and Jesse's dad talking with my pap and great pap off to the side. After they were done working on the car, my dad told me on our ride home to read one of my books. I had books everywhere on the way home and not to worry about looking out the window. I honestly can't help but remember the feeling we were being followed out of those woods. It was about a 15 minute drive from the hills to regular populated civilization. 
I never went back in those woods. Our shoes were never found. It's a different kind of energy growing up around them. My pap died in 2013 at the ripe age of 98. He died one week after his 98th birthday and drove two days up to the day he died. He had something wrong with his heart and passed quickly in the hospital. My Aunt Marla passed away in 2014 from kidney failure. Jesse still goes by Jesse, but identifies as he now. He is a pretty cool guy. We don't talk about that day in the woods, though. And now I'm 29 and realizing me and Jesse about died and got eaten by the W. Here's some things to remember as we don't talk about them because they can be summoned, so be careful. When you're in the woods and something says your name, you don't look around and you continue to look ahead as you walk. Walk, not run. You walk with a purpose, though. If the voice gets softer, it's closer to you. Don't look around. Keep your eyes ahead. You'll smell dead animal, rotten fish, but don't look around. Keep walking with a purpose. Get to your car or house and immediately shut the door. Do not look outside. Not sure how to get rid of it, but hey, now you've got this spooky, spooky story to keep you awake at night. Thank you, creep it real, and don't get scared. And Carrie making me say the word. Winnebago? Mm-hmm. Also, I don't understand how old your great pap was if your pap was 70-something. like 83. Not 70-something. He was 83. Oh. <laughs> God, I'm an idiot. But what the hell? Like, my brain doesn't well, comprehend that. Well, if pap died when he was 98, his dad probably lived to be about that, too. Yeah, and I don't think about, like, that was his... Like, first kid. Like, I always think about, like... I mean, he... Probably 103 if he was 18 when he had him. That's a lot of years. Not that. 101. Oh, my God. Well, you could tell me any number. I literally did it with a calculator, too, and still fucked it up. (laughs) But anyway, when Carrie was doing it, I was like, how old is he? (laughs) I've only had a great-grandmother alive for just, like, just a wee little bit of my life. Same. But we're the youngest, and our Mm -hmm. oldest sisters are... 15 and 18 years older than us. Right. So they were alive for a great portion of their lives. Yeah. I know. But like, I think about it in my terms of everything. And so it's just like, my brain doesn't comprehend. But we had older parents, which is why. Yeah. I know some of my cousins at one point, they had five generations alive, which is like insane to me. I was thinking today, if I decided, like, I'm not, I'm never going to change my mind about this, but if I decided to have kids, I would be older than my mom was when she had me. Mm-hmm. And, like, I I never wanted to be an older parent when I wanted to have kids, you know, because of my sister's got a different set of parents than I did, you mm-hmm. know? It was a trade-off. Like, they were more active with them, but they were also more, like, strict and stern they weren't as active with me and my brother, but they were very more, like, lax and just like, oh, God, we don't even care. Just go out on the street if you want to. <laughs> like, it's fine. So, I, I don't know. But I just was like, I don't want to be old like that. But I was just thinking, holy shit. If I decided right now, like, I found love in my life and was like, you know what? I do want a family. I'd be older than my mom. And she was old, <laughs> you know? Like, oh, I don't know. It just, like, dawned on me. Numbers, y'all. Numbers. That's my sinister sighting. Nothing compared to what y'all had to experience out in the woods because that sounds fucking terrifying. And people like bird box, like where you can't look. Oh my God. That as a nosy person and also a perpetually confused person. Like what's that smell? Have to look. What's that? Have to look. You know, just like, what could that be? Because Carrie would be like, that smells like green pastures on the sunrise road of da da ba da ba and uh, the second corner you take. And I'm like, like, I'm like a fucking dog trying to, 
I don't know that fucking smell. I'm like, eh, it's just grass. You know, but like, I have to try to know it. And oh, that, I don't care if my fucking mom was saying don't look. I'd be like, okay. And like whip my head around and then I'd die. Well, I need you to do a story on this. Right? Well, I think Colby actually has a story from one of his friends when he was hunting. So I really do need to. Mm-mm. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And also... No, thank you for having Carrie say crick multiple times. It just didn't sound her. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, you said crick. Now, when she says mom, I'm like, oh, you said mom. That's so cute. Crick. It's crick. Do you say crayon or cray uh, like crayon? Well, some people say like crown. Oh. Like crown, but they say crown. <laughs> crown. Crown. It's crayon. 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 I don't know. Crown. Also, I say crawfish, not crawdads. Yeah. You said K-cups earlier. So what is the thing that makes your K-cups? Miss Keurig. Okay. <laughs> you know what that sounds like? How you say my name weird. Keurig. Keurig. Yeah. Keurig. Well, I say Keurig. Well, yesterday I was saying it to someone and they were like, that's not how you say it. And I was like, a Keurig? Yes, it is. Carrie has not corrected me on that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said, it's Keurig. There's no egg in it. And so I forgot to ask you how to say it. So it just made like, that's perfect. Oh, I definitely say it wrong. <laughs> but it was so, Carrie has not corrected me. <laughs> <laughs> tell me you're a cunt without telling me you're a cunt. <laughs> no, sir, you are wrong because Carrie, she never doesn't correct you. Okay. Colby says he lives with autocorrect. <laughs> but I, I know how to spell it. Like I could spell it fine well but, okay well i'm just saying i know how to spell it but like in my head that's how you pronounced it i think because that's how you pronounce it you're my pronounce names.com okay on to the second one hell in my head hello my beautiful southern ladies i hope this gorgeous day is good to you both many blessings to you two and my fellow creepsters it is your number one garden hoe, Jen at the Suburban Farmer, here with a story concerning my own experience with dream visitations and sleep paralysis. Take from it what you will, entertainment or inspiration. I hope you enjoy. Trigger warning, all the fucked up shit, just saying. I remember the first time it happened. I was in first grade. I went to bed that night with the same routine, nothing out of the norm. When I went to sleep, I would always think of the happiest place in my world, grandma's house. I would lay in bed, wish I was there, and fall asleep to the thought of her. Most times, I would have a very sweet dream of playing with her or my sister or cousins at her house, swimming in the pool, you name it. This particular night, I dreamt I was at her house. My sisters, cousins, and immediate family were there in what felt like a celebration, full of peace. I noticed in my dream that the sky outside was starting to get dark, like a huge thunderstorm was going to move through. The wind started picking up and swirling around the trees, making everything outside dance in the wind. I suddenly felt in my dream state a horrible feeling wash over me. My family melted into these zombie-like things. My environment began to do the same and began melting away to reveal a place I can only describe as hell. In my dream, I could not move fast. I was trying to run and get away, but felt like my limbs were extremely heavy and I move in almost slow motion while some type of demon pursued me. I would try to wake up and could not. I could feel myself having a panic attack while dreaming. My heart racing 
breathing, trying to breathe. I would wake up right before the demon would catch me in the same emotional and physical state that I was in my dream. It was hard to move. I felt like I couldn't breathe and my heart was racing. I was so filled with fear that it would take me over an hour before I would fall back asleep. After this one night, whatever this was that I dreamt about would continue to visit me for the next 30 years. As I got older, the random demon that was chasing me began to show up as the devil himself. After that point, the demon never took another form in my dreams and always showed up as the devil. Yay, good times. I tried everything. I was baptized. I went to church. I prayed. I got blessed. I took Holy Communion. I blessed my home anywhere I stayed. I stayed away from scary movies or anything that reminded me of my dreams. You name it, I tried it. By the time I hit 31, these dreams were a nightly thing. I was at the end of my rope. I was tired. I was pregnant with my first baby, a girl, and just felt very defeated. I was just so tired of dreading going to sleep. It was hell in my head. On top of this, over the previous five years or so, the lingering effects of the dream were beginning to stay longer than when I was much younger. I would wake up to the feeling of having had run for my life and being unable to catch my breath. My limbs would feel super heavy and it took a couple of minutes before I felt like I could sit up. I also felt intense fear and dread. I would hear weird noises, something sliding across the counter or falling off, random creaks and groans that were not familiar to me. It would take me an hour to calm down, breathe, go back to sleep. And these dreams were extremely vivid, lifelike, and detailed. I have a really close girlfriend that's a therapist and reached out to her asking if she had any other clients that maybe had experienced this. I found a lot online concerning sleep paralysis and such, but I still had no idea how to make it stop. I gave her the high-level view of what was going on, and she thought about it for a good minute. She replied, you have to make friends with this devil. You must show him compassion. Whatever this is, it's feeding off of you and your fear. I had no idea how to put that information into practice, but I thought about it for the rest of the day. I said a prayer and asked God to help me figure this out. A couple of days later, I went to bed and started to dream that my mom and I were walking around an old country flea market. The sun was shining. We were having a great time. And then the feeling of the dream started to change. In my dream, my mom and I walked under a tent at the market to check out what the Rosa vendors had for sale. She and I were checking out random antiques and finds and suddenly I look at the back of the vendor booth and the walls start to melt away like candle wax revealing extreme darkness. I look to my mom and see that the people are clearing out and the wind had begun to swirl. The dream was very, very real to me. The darkness began to grow and out of the darkness emerged the devil. His back was to me. He was wearing a black cape and slowly rotated to face me as he began to separate from the darkness. For whatever reason, I just stood there. I couldn't move. I could feel the wind on my face and skin, the dirt floor under my feet, the pressure on my chest began to grow, and then I began to sing in the sweetest tone, in a beautiful voice that is not my own, you do not belong here. I kept singing this to him over and over. I approached him with compassion. Then the devil himself began to melt away like wax slowly. I kept singing and before the devil had completely melted to the floor, 
I woke up. I did not understand what I had experienced, but I knew that it was significant and that something had changed. I'm 39 now and have not had another dream like that since. That's a long time with something fucking with your sleep. Oh my gosh. And the realness and just, uh uh-uh, that's too much. Like legitimately, sometimes during y'all stories, I get actually tired. (laughs) Because like like my eyes get heavy because I'm like, they haven't had sleep in 10 years. Yes. Like, for real. I don't know how y'all do it. I need my sleep. That's so fucking scary, though. So, I mean, like, really, what was it, though? Because, I mean, like, like a demon's not going to be like, oh, okay, cool. Throw over me. I'm going to go out now. Right. Like, they're making nice of me. You know what I mean? So, like, was it really just, like, your actual fears manifesting in your dreams? Maybe. And then when you faced them, I don't know. I don't know either. Guess that's why I'm not a therapist. <laughs> Same. But that does sound like a good thing. I mean, everyone says, like, you get more bees with honey or flies with honey, whatever it is. God. Okay. You catch more flies with honey. Yes. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> of course there would be bees with honey. What the fuck? The bees make the honey. <laughs> no. Bees are like, can you give me some credit here? Fuck. So this is how the birds and the bees work. <laughs> Just kidding. I never actually understood that. Is Because it, it, they pollinate? Pollinate it. But that's yeah. weird. <laughs> and that's why people don't understand how sex works. <laughs> And why people get pregnant unintentionally. <laughs> there were no bees in the bedroom. <laughs> Something was buzzing when I was alone. I was going to say, then you wouldn't get pregnant. Well, a cock ring will buzz. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> this one is called Cult House Road. Oh, this sounds right up our alley. Hi, Donna and Carrie. I sent in one true crimey story before and was so excited to hear you read it on the show. Now I have another story for you about an urban legend that is huge in the town I grew up. This is one of my stories from visiting the infamous Colt House Road. Here's a synopsis. There's a road on the border of Delaware and Pennsylvania that winds through the woods. Again, the woods. See? Mm-mm. Still Pennsylvania, too. Wasn't it a second uh-huh, ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Pennsylvania, Ohio, blah, blah, blah. Mm-mm. On this road is a large stone house with inverted crosses in the windows. Legend has it that the DuPont family once owned the property and there were tales of Satan worshiping and cult activities. The winding road that the house sits on is lined with trees on either side. The trees on the opposite side of the road from the house all grow away from it. Like they're trying to get away from the house and all the rumors surrounding it. The road is easy to miss. It's not like there's a sign with an arrow pointing saying, Colt House Road, this way. There are stories of people getting run off the road at night, and the town has really gone to great lengths to keep people from driving down it. There are multiple no trespassing signs and closed road signs. But can that ever really keep people away from a spooky mystery? Naturally, all of these stories made every teenager want to go and try and find this road. Everyone had a friend of a friend who knew exactly where to go to find Colt House Road. Again, it's not marked, and you can easily miss it driving through the woods. The road lies in an area that us locals refer to as the valley. This area has a state park within it, and there are tons of winding, narrow roads that act as shortcuts through northern Delaware and into Pennsylvania. Of course, my friends and I wanted to check out this legend and would regularly drive through the valley looking for Colt House Road. We eventually did find the road, and it was as spooky as we had heard. The first few times we went down the road, it was daytime. You could really see the house during the day and all of the vandalism that kids will do, like placing decapitated baby doll heads in some of the trees and spray-painted symbols. 
the trees really do all grow away from the house. It's unnerving to drive and see all the trees on one side of the road literally trying to get away from the house. We had always heard that if you drive down Colt House Road at night, you'll be driven off the road by a black SUV. Those were supposedly the cult members who didn't take kindly to having damn kids running up and down their road every night. So we definitely had to check it out again at night too. One night, we were driving down Colt House Road, being creeped out by every turn and spooky tree we saw. As we drove around a sharp bend, we saw him. Ahead of us in the road, illuminated by our headlights, was goddamn Michael Myers. I'm sure it was a dumb teenager in Michael Myers' mask, but in the moment, it scared the shit out of us. I stopped the car in the road, and we could see him fully dressed to the nines. He had a dark blue jumpsuit, white mask, and even a butcher's knife in his hand. Gotta hand it to him. He was committed. And he was just standing there, staring at us. We screamed bloody murder, of course. When I stopped screaming, I started to move the car a bit to speed up and drive past him. As soon as I did that, he turned and ran to his car that was sitting on the side of the road and proceeded to chase us down, like full-on chase, driving way too fast for this little windy, hilly road. We were screaming in the car, and I was just driving my ass off trying to lose him. Once we reached the end of the road, we turned right, and Michael Myers did not. Phew, I guess he figured he'd go back and stand on the road and scare more teenagers. So, we didn't encounter actual cults on Colt House Road, but... We did have a run-in with Michael Myers. Thank you, ladies, for all you do. This podcast is a blessing. Love, Donna W. I wonder if that was somebody y'all know that, like, knew y'all were going there that night? Or was that somebody that literally was just standing there waiting for somebody to come down that road? I don't know. It could be either. Look, I would have been terrified, too. I get terrified when I see someone who has, like, the Jason mask on their, like, passenger side, like, headrest and stuff. Just like looking in my rearview mirror, and I'm like, "What? Oh, never mind." <laughs> like I don't know why, but it terrifies me. I thought you were gonna say the people who have it like hanging in their uh, rearview mirror. Uh, yeah, they do have that too. But like, no, I've seen like it's a fucking uh, air freshener. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's mainly because then it really does look like someone's sitting beside them in a fucking mask. True. And so it like, whoo, terrifies me. And I've never been by a like supposedly haunted house. I mean, I've been to the entrance of that girl's home here that's no longer a girl's home that's supposed to be haunted, but I've never driven even close to it. Like, I didn't, like, you could barely see the house. Yeah, I never even got to there. My sister-in-law would tell me about this place close to where she grew up, but you couldn't drive up to it. You'd have to walk up to it, and all the stories scared me so much, and look, I know my extra large pizza self I've always been that way. I like the other person said, I'm not going to outrun anything. So um, if I can't drive up to it, uh, it's not going to happen because there ain't no way I'm running all through the woods. Well, my grandma had a neighbor that my sister Casey convinced me their house was haunted because she said that she killed her husband in it. <laughs> but it wasn't actually haunted. I just thought it was because my sister lied to me. Well, I did have a house that my two step-cousins, they lived down the road, and they said it was a witch house. I don't know why. I think it was just, like, a darker wooded house, and so it was just the witch house. I have no idea why, but we'd ride our bikes and be like, there's a witch house. But it wasn't, I don't I don't know. We didn't go trick-or-treating at the house, I'll tell you that. And that says a lot in kid life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you so much, Donna, with the best name ever. I knew that was coming. <laughs> 
<laughs> but thank you seriously that mm. the next one is paranormal or coincidence hello ladies my name is brandy and i just started listening to your podcast and i love it it helps me with my schoolwork and keeps me on track i love the story so much i finally decided to send something in i'm listening to your podcast right now as i'm writing this Now, let's get right into it. When I was little, around five or six, I had an imaginary friend named Cassie. I would always play with her and do everything with her. Since I was an only child and my mom has heard of kids having imaginary friends, she didn't really think much of it at all. My dad, on the other hand, was not fond of my friend. My dad would always tell my mom to tell me to stop playing with this imaginary person and make some real friends, but my mom always stood up for me and told him that it was normal. That was until this happened. Meanwhile, if your dad has a problem with it, he needs to be one to tell you anyway. Right? If you have something to say to my face, dad, tell it. Wait, what? Good try. How many saints could I ruin tonight? I don't know. Take two. (laughs) One day, when all of my family was gathered for a birthday or some random occasion, I asked my mom if she wanted to see my friend. My mom, being the kind, understanding woman she is, said, of course she would. I left, and my mother said I came back with a drawing of Cassie. Once she saw this drawing, she was terrified. She said she still remembers exactly how she looks to this day. I drew a woman with a white dress, big red eyes and blood coming out of her mouth with an angry look on her face. Okay, so maybe your dad was right, but he should (laughs) still be the one to tell you. Don't pawn that shit off on your mom. My whole family saw this drawing at this point, and everyone was telling my mom that this wasn't right or in any way a good friend. My dad was there saying, I told you so, under his breath. And your mom was like, thanks, Captain Obvious. I see the picture, too. (laughs) Your poor mama. I'm Poor mama. (laughs) My mom, not knowing what to say, just gave it back to me and smiled. When I was asleep, my mom burned the picture and prayed for me. She thought I was seeing not good spirits, even though Cassie had never hurt me or done any harm. Eventually, a couple of months after, I grew out of my face with Cassie and never spoke of her. Here's where the weirdness comes in. I've always had nightmares, and at this point, I'm just used to them. Recently, I've been having a dream of a woman with a long white dress, red eyes, and blood spewing out of her mouth chase me and just be horrible to me while I'm running scared. And at the end of every dream I have of her, she kills me. Kind of weird, I know, don't judge. I told my mom about this continuous dream I've been having for weeks on end, and she had a very scared look on her face. Then she reminds me of, that's exactly what my imaginary friend used to look like. I don't know what this means, if it's just a coincidence, but it freaked me out. I'm sorry this email was long and if it's all over the place and if it didn't fall under a spooky story category, but I just wanted to share with someone and who better than you two. Let me know what you guys think. A spirit that's lingering onto me or a coincidence of my mind playing tricks on me. I have many other paranormal stories to share, but I'll send those in at another time. And remember, creep on creeping on and don't get scared. Sending love from New Mexico. I still can't get past your dad wouldn't tell you <laughs> on your own. I mean, too. What? You I, couldn't make I that whole sense. Out. <laughs> but Look, yes. you need to tell your daughter that that bubble. You tell her. That's most guys, isn't it? Am I British? That's what they say. Isn't it? Isn't it? Like, if you have a problem with it, you handle it then, sir. Don't be pawning extra work off on me. I'm already (laughs) tired. 
That is fucking creepy. And see, this is again why I can't be a parent because I'd be like, that's some fucking creepy shit. See, whereas your mom handled it right. Like, there's no sense in scaring you as a child. <laughs> like, there's no reason for anyone to think that anything's wrong with this imaginary kid. You're an only child. It's normal to have yeah. an imaginary friend. I mean, you needed some outlet for play. So your mom did nothing wrong. Right. And there's no sense to be like, oh my God, when you show the picture, because all that's going to do is scare you. So mm-hmm. just have a, oh, okay, honey. All right. Move along. Like change the subject. Keep moving on and then yeah. address it when it's not so scary to the kid. I don't know. Okay. The next one. Hello, you beautiful ladies. First off, I have to say how much I love this podcast. You'll keep me laughing while bringing new cases to light that are very informative in your research. Second, I would like to stay anonymous as this is an ongoing case and not all the details have fully come to light. Today, a family member was murdered by her boyfriend. Now, they were both into drinking and partying, so it's not a surprise that they were doing so. They got into a heated argument that took them inside and the other partygoers eventually heard a hard thud. They ran in and saw her on the floor, knocked out. They decided right then and there that she was dead and they all needed to get away from the scene while asking what her piece of shit boyfriend had done. He, of course, wouldn't answer. He would leave her unconscious in just a t-shirt all night. He finally called for help at 6 a.m. and didn't tell her family. Wait, I thought they meant like from the scene like, hey, hey, back it up. No, 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 like they left. They left. (laughs) Thankfully, an ex-wife of a family member worked at the hospital and called everyone to let them know she was in rough shape. She coded three times before the closest person could get to her. At that point, the staff knew it was domestic violence, as none of her bruising matches just a fall, like he claimed. He never went to the hospital. From what the staff could gather, she fell in a way that she asphyxiated on her own vomit and had a heart attack during the night. She passed away the next evening, having not only suffered that, but a stroke and an aneurysm as well. Oh my gosh. At this moment, he is on the run. This wonderful woman was taken away too soon, a couple of weeks before her 50th birthday. She was planning on having a huge celebration to celebrate. And instead, we have to plan a funeral because some asshole of a man not only beat her, but wouldn't call for help. Sorry for the length and poor sentence structure, but I wanted to get the word out that if anyone is suffering with any sort of domestic violence or you know someone suffering, please find help. Thank you, ladies, for everything you do for us listeners. Sincerely, well, I'm not going to say the name. Wow. Oh, my gosh. That is so sad. I, I am baffled that people left. Well, I know that people will do that like in situations where somebody has like OD'd and that because they don't want to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. And so I'm pretty sure there's laws in place now that like if everybody's getting messed up and somebody OD's and you call for help, like they won't arrest you for the drugs because you're because you're basically a good Samaritan, like you stayed and helped them. Yeah. But that's like, I don't. That's awful. Like, okay, leave the scene, but then just like call anonymously and be like, hey, whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, that they thought she was dead. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, there's a, I mean, I'm not saying there's a difference. I just said it, but like, if something's going on and like, obviously you don't feel safe and say someone hits their girlfriend and you leave and you're like, look, I'm getting away from that, whatever. But if you think someone is dead, like, what if he would have hid her body somewhere? Oh, God, I don't know. I'm just, that's so sad. And she was planning on a birthday. She's not like Carrie. She likes her birthday. I do like my birthday. 
I know you're just like me about any parties, but you know, like, oh, 50. Gosh. So young. Yes. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. I'm so sorry y'all are going through that. But like they said, though, if you or anybody that you know is in a situation where you're not safe, please reach out and get help because I mean, it can escalate and it can escalate quickly. Right. The next one is brush with brushy mountains past or something else. Hey y'all, earlier this year, my fiance Al and I drove up to Chattanooga since it's not quite an hour and a half away from us. Um, you mean husband now? Right? Y'all married. Y'all married. My my parrot over here. I am your parrot over here. (laughs) (laughs) She's really just proud I remembered something. I know, right? We often drive up to check out the zoo or the incline railway. I have to include all these hard things. Or Ruby Falls. Or the cupcake shop with the killer sweets. Whatever. They're delicious. And totally worth the trip. Anyway, on the way up this time, I saw a huge billboard advertising tours for Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary and Distillery. Look, words are hard for me today. Don't look at me like that. Thinking it would be fun, I googled it and realized it was too far away for this day trip, but made a note of the website on my phone. Before I go on, allow me to share a brief history of Brushy Mountain. And forgive me, this is the briefest of explanations. The area of Coal Creek was a mining community for decades. When the workers got fed up with having little money left after paying for clothes and food and having rent taken out of their wages, they went on strike and had skirmishes with those in charge. Finally, officials decided to bring in men who would do the job cheaper and be more compliant, aka prisoners. Inmates were leased out to do the jobs of the miners, though there was still conflict between the miners, the inmates, and the guards. There was bloodshed from all of those involved. Finally, officials ordered the construction of Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary. Opened in 1896, it was Tennessee's first maximum security prison and was in operation until 2009. It housed many violent criminals, including James Earl Ray, the man who assassinated Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. There's so much more to Brushy's history, but I fear this is already going to be far too long. Last week, Al and I were both on vacation, so on Tuesday, we traveled up to Petros, Tennessee and toured Brushy Mountain. The drive up is beautiful, but there's hardly any cell reception, like at all. Seriously, when we left, we had to drive almost a half hour before I had enough cell service to enter the coordinates into our GPS to get home. Oh, shit. I would be just stuck. (laughs) I mean, I can play Candy Crush with no um, data, but... (laughs) Not being able to have the damn maps. I don't know about that. I'm no Dora Explorer. (laughs) Carrie would be like, well, I'll be waiting over here till they get back. Just do what you need to do. (laughs) As you pull onto the property, you see the prison looming in front of you. First stop, however, the gift shop area on the right to buy our tickets. This add-on has souvenirs and a cafeteria-style restaurant. The food was very good. And a tasting station because Brushy Mountain is also a distillery now. Before we left, we did do a moonshine tasting and left with a bottle of butterscotch shine. After getting our tickets, we drove up to the big cross-shaped structure and made our way in. We were directed to the theater to watch a nearly 20-minute film on the prison. 
Along the way, we saw glass cases that held documents and artifacts from Brushy Mountain's history, including a gob of homemade shanks from everything from a hairbrush to rulers to parts of their bed frame. The walls were decorated with artwork from the inmates. After that, Al and I began to actually walk around the facility. The prison just closed in 2009, but the paint on the walls is peeling and the steel has rusted in spots. Ivy and Kudzu have taken over the outside exercise cells of D-Block where the worst of the worst were kept. As we made our way through the empty spaces, you couldn't help but imagine how absolutely sad and depressing the situation must have been for inmates, as Brushy Mountain was incredibly violent and, as they say themselves, the end of the line. As we stood at the corner of one of the cells in D-Block, my right leg suddenly gave out. It was like someone came up behind me and nudged my knee with theirs, causing my leg to bend. I involuntarily let out an oh when it happened. Then, as we stood a few cells down a couple of minutes later, I got a hot, burning sensation on the front of my leg, just under the hem of my capri pants. I checked and thankfully didn't see any marks or scratches. It happened another time or two as we moved throughout the prison. We saw the gym, the yard, the cell block where the less violent inmates were housed, D block, and the cafeteria. Walking through these areas was spooky, though for me, none was more creepy than the cafeteria. Al and I had gotten split up and had been for about half an hour. As I tried to find him, I found myself in the cafeteria on the second floor. This was the site of an especially vicious murder, and as I took pictures of the information plaques, I sensed that the air was heavy and stagnant. As I ventured into the dimly lit room, the only source for light was the windows. The feeling grew heavier. Despite nobody else being around, I didn't feel alone. I reached the area where the men would have gotten their trays for the food, the chow line, and it was pitch black. There was a light about 25 feet in front of me, but immediately in front of me, inky blackness. As I stood there, I began to smell both pee and poop, and it shook me alert, and I thought, what the hell am I doing? I'm in here by myself. Anyone, alive and evil, could grab me, drag me into one of those dark spots, and rape me or kill me or both, and Al wouldn't know because we've gotten separated. I got the hell out of there fast. I made my way back to the ground floor, and as I tried to find Al, I got turned around. I would walk in one door and come out the other, but not where I thought I would. It was a maze. While split up, I'd occasionally whistle this whistle that we do if we get separated. It works in Walmart. Why not here? You mean like Donna's cuckoo? Hey, that worked. In Walmart. In the middle of fucking Walmart. (laughs) I was mortified. I wish I could have just seen Carrie's face when she peered out. I mean, y'all see it when she looks at me on the lives, but it was that. (laughs) I'd whistled this specific way that we always do and waited to hear his reply. Nothing. I tried calling him, but that pesky no cell service thing prevented that from happening. Turns out he tried to call me a dozen times too. As I stood in the doorway of one of the cell blocks, I looked around nobody in the yard. No one standing by the wall. It would appear I was by myself in this desolate place. 
Knowing that there was at least one person there somewhere. I mean, we rode together. Where the hell was he? I tried our whistle once more. This time, I heard an immediate response. And though a different pitch, it was our call. Thinking that I'd finally found Al, I smiled and again, looking around, asked, where are you at? Instead of Al's voice, though, I heard a deep, gravelly voice say, right here. Nuh-uh. First of all, LOL at you. (laughs) That was my best like Batman on the spot kind of voice. I jerked my head around trying to find the owner of this voice, but still saw no one. Hesitating for a split second, I strained my ears and scanned the yard, but still saw and heard no one. Had someone been on the floor above me, I'd surely have heard them moving on the still floor, right? Maybe even seen them through the still grate of the cell block? And wouldn't someone have chuckled or indicated that they knew it wasn't for them that I was looking for? Turning quickly, I loudly announced, Wrong Whistler! And got the hell out of Dodge. I decided that I'd head to the entrance and wait for Al there if I had to. As I turned and hobbled as quickly as my short, arthritic legs could go, I crossed through an archway and saw Al walking with his back to me. I did our whistle and he quickly turned, looking, relieved to have found me. I told him about the whistle and he assured me that it was not him, though I already know he couldn't have got from where I heard the whistle and the intimidating voice to where he was when I found him. Realizing that we'd seen everything we could see, the third and fourth floors are blocked to visitors, we made our way to the front of Bushy Mountain and back down the hill to have a late lunch at the cafeteria-style restaurant, The Warden's Table. Well, that's cute. After ordering our food, we sat and talked about our visit. As we talked about exploring the second floor while separated, we found that we had very different experiences in the cafeteria. While I was freaked out and felt intimidated or threatened even, Al told me that he felt an extreme sadness and hopelessness. He said that he could hear them talking. And despite us having experiences in our house, those stories are for another time, I don't think he's ever really experienced anything on his own. I gently asked him questions, didn't want to freak him out or overwhelm him, like if he heard their conversation or just imagined the kind of conversation they'd have. He said he wasn't sure, it just popped into his head. He also told me that as he approached the chow line, he acted as though he picked up a tray and was walking through the line. As he did, he said that without explanation, he said aloud to himself, mashed potatoes, beans, and mystery meat. He said that he doesn't know why he thought that, but he did. While our experiences may not have been paranormal, we had strong reactions to Brushy Mountain. Though just who whistled back and spoke to me? We want to get back and explore a bit more. I'd love to check out the cafeteria again, just not by myself. Creep it real, Carla H. Prisons are fucking scary. I went to Alcatraz one time and though it was a guided tour, so it freaked me out because you could hear like cell doors in the guided tour, you know, and like I'm just standing there and like it was uh, binaural or however you say that fucking word. So like it would go from the left to the right, like the squeaks. And I was like, someone's in here, Kenneth. So eh, that freaked me out. But just being in there and just seeing it and oh. Yeah, it's it's a lot to take on. But then being separated from someone and not being able to find them and all, uh-uh, that's a whole added stress and no. Yeah, that would terrify me. Especially because, like, we've met you and Alan. Like, I know he's your safe space. And yes. so, like, ah, I don't know. Yes. Because that's how I would be with Colby. I would be like, 
freaking out that we got separated. Yeah. All right, this one. Inception in real life, question mark. Hey, ladies, I'm Georgia from the bottom of the earth in a wee island known as New Zealand. I want to reassure you both of your hilariousness and that we are listening like an easily led child looking for a spooky adventure. I have a very vivid imagination, which has resulted in some interesting dreams growing up. I've got a few that stuck out over the years. We'll start with this sucker. My dream within a dream within a mother trucking dream. (laughs) (laughs) It was about 10 years ago when I was still in high school. I was in a car with a boy. Ooh. Ooh. They literally put oh. that. <laughs> I mean, but yes, I would have done the same thing, but they literally put, oh, okay. ooh. <laughs> on top of a steep driveway talking about chocolate fish. Okay, now that's some shit Donald would do. <laughs> literally. <laughs> then they wrote, mmm, chocolate. <laughs> same. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing I know is we're going backwards down this steep-ass drive, and bam, I wake up on my couch at home. I'm thinking, that was weird as fuck, and wander into my room. As I open my door, looking in the direction of my bed, I see myself sleeping. Oh, hell no. Me in the bed stirs, waking from her stomach, laying slumber. Are You You really are, Donna. You really are me. God, I'm parrot again. You just talk faster. (laughs) (laughs) She turns her head to face me. Creepy-ass smile plastered all over. She starts floating towards the ceiling. Still, gosh dang, looking at me with that smile. Then suddenly, finally, I think I'm awake. Laying on my stomach with my head facing away from the door. Just like creepy-ass me. I sit the fuck up, freaking out about this weird-ass dream. How real it felt when I woke up on the couch, wondering if I'm still dreaming. So clearly, I'm not going back to sleep or waking up, so I write this mayhem down. Not so I could remember this, even though I still do, but more clarification that I was awake. I think about my real-life inception every so often. I've come to the conclusion that perhaps going backwards down the steep drive is a representation of me falling further into my dreams or perhaps my own mind. The creepy me that I met, I noped the fuck away from her. Floating up as if I was waking, maybe I met my inner demon, but no thanks, don't come again. Uh Uh-uh, don't like that. Mm -mm. I don't want anything that's like making me that exhausted in a dream. (laughs) Yes. I mean, that's a lot of steps. Like, you did this, and then you had to do that, and then you had to go over here, and then you had to... Look. Yeah. I'm not trying to have that much going on in a dream. I've never seen myself seeing myself in a dream. Like, I'm always... I can see us sometimes, but it's not like I'm looking at us living a life. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's a TV show, yeah, and we're the characters on it. Yeah, that too, yeah. A lot of times, though, it's me in like first person yeah same a lot of that is when i have the bad dreams though like when i have better dreams that's weird like when i have better dreams it's like i'm watching a tv show and it's like i'm not first person but then when i have the bad dreams i am first person and really experiencing it yeah huh you just like shattered your own glasses right i know i was like huh (laughs) so now you're gonna know in your dreams if it's gonna be a good dream or a bad dream because you're gonna know the person but I can't wake myself up. Like, I remember being like, wake up, wake up, wake up, and sore my ass off. Because you need a CPAP, but that I digress. <laughs> All right, the last one is randonauting experiences. Hello, paranormal chicks and creepy creepsters. I have a randonautica experience to share. This might be too long, but y'all said not to worry about that, so here goes. 
many, many episodes ago, you did a story on randonauting. I knew I needed to send in our experience, but just now getting around to it. My three older teen daughters and I had used the Randonautica app around the time it first came out. I saw creepy TikToks about it and wanted to try it out. I didn't know that I had to speak my intentions on what we wanted to find out loud. But before beginning, I concentrated on what I wanted to find. I thought we were supposed to just think about what we wanted. I wanted us to find scary or haunted places that had paranormal activity. So I loaded up the app, told the girls, let's go on an adventure. We got into the car and the GPS coordinates for our Randonautica were not too far from our house. After we got into the car, I told them that we were supposedly going to a place that may be haunted or a place where paranormal activity occurs. Of course, we did this before the sun went down because after dark is just too scary for us. We live in a smallish East Texas town around a lake. It gets really dark here. Didn't see any purpose in exploring in the dark. I started to slow down as we approached our location. The location at the app was right at the end of the small median at the entrance to a neighborhood. We all gasped and said, oh my gosh, when we saw where it was. There were two wooden crosses staked into the grass. Artificial flowers stuck into the ground. It was a memorial. I've always heard that you see those in places where someone died by a drunk driver. But maybe they were put here for other reasons. This particular spot definitely looked like a memorial. How did Randonautica know that a homemade memorial was at this spot? It's not like it pops up on GPS as a known location. So maybe my intentions on a haunted or paranormal location manifested. After that, we were amazed and a little creeped out. So we wanted to try it again trying to prove that this app really does manifest your intentions. This time we did speak out loud what we wanted to see. We all wanted to see a haunted house. Once I got the GPS coordinates, I looked on the map to see where we were headed. I low key freaked out because the street it was taking us to was called Lake Shadows. Way before I even knew about Randonautica, that street name I passed every day was a little sinister, Lake Shadows. Not just the name, but also the motel that sits at the corner of that street. At nighttime, the lights flicker and it just looks super haunted. So we head to Lake Shadows and then turn off onto a residential street. Driving slowly as we pass all the homes, trying to sense if we feel like any of them are haunted. We reach the destination that happens to be a dead end. The location was in the middle of the street. The four houses that surrounded the spot were all vacant and for sale. I thought that was really, really weird. How are there four houses all for sale in one spot? We were in a well-established neighborhood, so it's not like they were newly constructed homes. We pondered if everyone moved out because of paranormal activity. Well, update. Since it's taken me months to finish writing this, I have one more recent randonauting experience. So my best guy friend was hanging out. I was telling him about randonautica and our experience. I had already heard y'all's episode about it now, so I knew we were supposed to speak our intentions. He, of course, was down to go randonauting with me. It had been about six months since that last time. I even uninstalled the app after the first time. Anyway, we decided to say we wanted to see something related to UFOs or aliens. This was back at the beginning of June 2021, and the government, you know, disclosure on UFOs was about to take place. End of June now, and still nothing. So maybe by the time you all read this, we'll have all the government secrets. 
Okay, so I kept saying out loud, I want to see UFOs or aliens. My friend was just sitting there and I said, you have to say it out loud. He was like, okay, yeah, let's see UFOs. So we get our coordinates and it's in the lake. Not far from someone's private dock. My next door neighbor swears that there's aliens in this lake. I have another tale about that. Of course, we didn't like just show up to a random house and go in their backyard looking at the lake. When we head to the location, we had to pull over because a bunch of cops were coming up behind us. They pass and they end up turning down the street we were headed to. My friend said, what if we roll up on a murder scene? I told him, no, our intentions were aliens. I was pretty hyped up because disclosure was imminent. I was thinking an alien craft crashed in the lake and all the cops were headed there. Well, as we got closer to our destination, we could see where all the cops ended up. They were right across the street from our coordinates. They had a white van, um, creeper van, surrounded and pulling a dude out of the driver's seat. We got to see them throw the man on the ground, restrain and cuff him. This was all happening on the exact same latitude line of our coordinates. Was this dude an alien? Probably not, but it was definitely freaky. Thank you for letting me share my experiences. I love y'all and always looking forward to new episodes, Ashley. Well, at least you knew what you were doing. You're like, oh, let's not go in somebody's random shit. Like, remember whenever (laughs) a thing came out and everybody was like walking into people's property? No, um... Oh, Pokemon Go. Yeah, that. People would be like walking into people's private property and all this stuff. And it's like, what? Pay attention where you're going. Yeah. That's how people get killed. Yes. But oh my God, that is creepy. Oh, that app just creeps me out. Yeah. No, thank you. I want no part of that app. (laughs) I mean, I kind of do, but I don't. But I love that you're like, was dude an alien? (laughs) But that's weird. Just that it's like the exact coordinates. Like what, what are the chances? Like what are the odds that that happened? Like, I, oh, guys, mind-boggling. Well, as always, these stories were fucking amazing. Y'all never disappoint, ever. No, definitely not. Thank y'all so much for sending them in. If you want your story read on a Sinister Sightings, send it in via email at aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. scared.